these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. So Kyle's been having a great uh, 24 <laughs> hours here. Kyle may have covid and the Wolves also at one point gave up a 60 to 20 swing in that game to get blown out in Atlanta. What was worse, watching the second half of that Wolves Hawks game or dealing with your own personal health issues this week? Well, I think you need to clarify what watching the second half means because most of the people listening to this probably didn't watch the game. <laughs> Dude. Um, oh, so I don't know. Uh, this will be the, if there's any. Coming chance. up next on Valley Sports North, a blank login page. Oh my I, uh, god, dude! This this is a low point. I broke a rule last night. I think I was mad online. I think I quote tweeted Kevin O'Connor. Uh, regretted that this morning. I just uh, I'm yeah, the worst version on, of myself. He dunked I on sound Kevin like, Timberwolves last yeah, night. Yeah, I sound terrible. Uh, I'm trying to keep it together. It's my wife's birthday, so happy Halloween birthday to her. But uh, <laughs> that's about all I got. Yesterday, you know what's funny? And this is why I love doing content and hopping on here during my lunch break. Is that uh, we were one week removed. From something I really believe in. One week removed from me saying last Monday, signing Jaden McDaniels at the deadline, the high watermark for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I was like, this is great. The vibes are so good. Like, season's Dude, about in to the start. first quarter, it looked great. He comes out with the afro, just knocking down threes. He's got like eight points in the first three minutes. And, and I did give myself the exit window of, you know, uh, Ricky Bobby's dad at Applebee's being uncomfortable with when things are good. And the Timberwolves in the last week, have gone so far, Ricky Bobby, just causing a ruckus at Applebee's, where you had, I think this is, they had the, the Minnesota Timberwolves had the best offensive half of the entire NBA season in the first half yesterday, and then compounded it with the worst offensive half in the second half of the entire NBA. And on top of it, my phone was melting down because everyone and their cousin who lives in the tri-state area, I had friends in Omaha, Nebraska that are like, I have league pass and it's blacked out for Minnesota. Uh, season ticket holders, they get league pass as part of their kind of promotion, which I think is kind of a cool thing. That's meaningless if you can't access the app. And I've had so many people send me these illegal streams and stuff, and I get that, but that's not the point. Like the point should be, I don't know. I don't know where. I don't know. I'm gonna give it back to you. You take this wherever you want. No, I, I think we have. There's two. I think we need. Uh, we need like. I'd also two like to rip sections. the Timberwolves. Yes, yeah. I think we should start there. I think, and by the way, if you if you gave up, you're trying to log in and and you weren't able to log into the ballot, and I was the same way, Dane Moore was the same way, we're all trying to watch a road game here. Well, you are out of market, so you, you're a league pass guy from Portland. <laughs> yep. Um, although you can't watch the Portland versus Wolves I'm, games. Right? I'm also an old soul, so I have cable, so I okay. can watch Portland. But um, yeah, I, I, sh I should clarify that too, because I was going on, I mean, again, uh, NyQuil and cough medicine will just make you tweet random things. But I uh, I can watch all the games. So when I complain about it, it's just because all my friends and I mean, if Dane Moore can't watch road games, that's probably a pretty big issue because he covers the team. So it's, I don't dude, let, know what to a, say. Let's let's take the because I, I'd love to have this streaming rights Bally's conversation with you. Let's let's carve out a chunk later in this episode Okay. After we get done dissecting the wolves, and I, it's, you know, we're both we're texting late last night, kind of what the hell's happening here, <laughs> and I was trying to think like what's the, what's the best way to frame up what happened last night. I suppose we could just start the show, and I could just throw it to you and say, what are we doing here? 
But I, I, I'm going to go a different route with you here. We do something across the Scorn Earth podcast called the Pie Chart of Blame. Thank Rock you. knows how you feel about pie. I think, and I'll, I'll just present to you my Pie Chart of Blame for the Timberwolves blowing a 20, what was it, 21-point lead at one point. There uh-huh. was like a 40-point swing in, yep. I think, 15 minutes of game time. There was like yep. a 35-point swing last night. All right. So you could probably you could probably find ways to give out like nine or ten slices of pie because pretty much everyone that stepped on the court in the second half deserves some chunk of the blame. What are we doing here? But we're going to start with this four slices and I'm going to go twenty five percent, twenty five percent, twenty five, twenty five. So four equal slices of pie. OK, the rock knows how you feel about pie. Slice number one goes to Timberwolves culture. Now, if you remember, I think it was right around the time we had Chris Finch on the podcast. We did a couple episodes about heat culture. We were kind of mm-hmm. looking and said, okay, the wolves are building something here. The heat have had this thing. It's like this sort of, it's called heat culture. It's this kind of nebulous thing that you it's like, you know it when you see it, right? Oh, that's heat culture right there. Grinding out and, you know, you go play on the road without Jimmy Butler and Kevin Love and you're kind of in the game still in the third quarter with a bunch of backups. Like that's heat culture. The heat going to the NBA finals when they're not even one of the three or four favorites in the conference, just grinding it out, that's heat culture, right? So uh, Udonis Haslam, we found this for uh, for that episode like six or eight months ago. He was interviewed by GQ magazine, and he was asked specifically, what is heat culture? And his answer was, quote, it's a lifestyle, bro. It's discipline, accountability, work ethic, and enjoying somebody else's success. I don't know what Wolves culture is yet. I don't know what, like, so there's discipline, accountability, work ethic, and enjoying somebody else's success, and it's all a lifestyle. You're either in or you're not, right? So there's four things. I don't know what all four things are for Wolves culture, Kyle, but I know that one of them is blowing 20-point leads. That is baked into Timberwolves culture. Not only this roster, but they were doing this 10 years ago, dude, like those Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio Kevin Martin, Nikola Pekovic, Rick, Rick Adelman was the coach. Totally different front office, totally different roster coaching staff. Wolves culture for over a decade has been blowing big leads. It's baked into their culture. The Minnesota Vikings just traded for Josh Dobbs. Did they? <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> well, is just, that why Judd and Declan are blowing me up right now? Yeah, so uh, oh, not to pivot God. away from everything hold you on, just said. Me, no, we can keep this in. Ross, but, let's uh, keep this in, by the way. This is great. <laughs> this this so is just a Minnesota sports fan uh, conundrum, but um, I'm sure there will be, for those well, of you that listen to Score North, I'm sure there will be some uh, Vikings content later today. But as you rapidly cover all teams, I will just comment on the culture thing, oh, yeah. and I will say... <laughs> I, I, maybe you know what? Actually, I'm going to hold off. Give me your other three slices of the pie before I okay. get into where I want to comment on. Okay, uh, I'm going to go 25%. Dude, he's our guy. We I feel like sometimes we don't criticize him enough if we're going to criticize other players. And you know, yep. Anthony Edwards. Okay, okay. thank now, you. Now you you look at the box score last night, and um, it's pretty impressive, right? It's like I don't have it in front of me here, but it's, it was like 31 points, seven assists, like six rebounds. He hit a bunch of three pointers. But he was just kind of elevator music in the third quarter. It's like, man, okay, the the lead's dwindling. Shots aren't going in. These guys are coming back the other way. They're scoring a bunch of points. What's the best thing you can do right now? How about stop jacking up shots? How about stop watching teammates jack up shots? Take the ball. Get to the free throw line. 
he doesn't have that. Like we want to sit here talk about heat culture and, and all these people, including Dwayne Wade himself, comparing Anthony Edwards to Dwayne Wade being the next Dwayne Wade. Right. And he's got that sort of big bruising, get in the lane. He can be kind of a combo guard. He can run the point. Like he is kind of Dwayne Wade with better range and probably even, I don't know about more bounciness, but like pre pre he's like pre knee injury Dwayne Wade, right? But Dwayne Wade at his peak in his physical prime was getting to the free throw line eight, nine, ten times a game. And you rarely saw runs of like, you know, 20, 30 points on the heat because they would always just get to the free throw line because Dwayne Wade could put a stop to a run. So I'm gonna go 25% for Anthony Edwards being kind of a kind of a bystander, just watching that thing happen. Get to the free throw line, man. Just, you know, get some points on the board. And just to clarify, the Timberwolves last night shot 9 of 15 from the free throw line. Rudy Gobert accounted for 8 of 11 of that. So the rest of the team, Rudy was 8 for 11 from the Pretty free good. throw line. They would follow him. Atlanta would follow him every time he got the ball under the basket. The rest of his teammates went 1 for 4. Ant had one free throw. It was, I believe, uh, like a weird technical or like a legal defense that he missed. Yep. Um, Jade McDaniels shot 0 free throws. Mike Conley shot 0 Carl had was one for one. Nikhil was zero for two, and no one else on the bench shot free throws. And I want to th- toss it back to you to keep serving up the pie here. But it's one thing, and we're going to get into some timeouts here and some Chris Finch stuff too. But it's one thing that drives me crazy about this specific team and Anthony Edwards specifically. You can, Carl too. Like we're going to blame a lot of people here. That's like the best way sometimes to stem a run is to just get to the line. You know, reset everything, yeah. get your defense in place. Free throws are literally called that for a reason. It's like the easiest point you can make. You're uncontested. And they just didn't do that. I mean, they got so jump shot happy in that second half that all Ant needs to do is just barrel down. And I know he gets a tough whistle sometimes, but just get to the line. Go to the, go to the paint one time after another and just try to get two free throws to get yourself some points, but also just kind of like reset the vibe. They did not do that, and it was one of the litany of reasons why they had one of the most historic losses last night. Yep. It was, uh, and it's fun. Again, you look, I just pulled the box scrub. So now I actually have in front of me, uh, you know, 13 of 21 shooting for ant. That's a great percentage. That's so much higher than his career percentage. He's been lights out from three point range in these first three games. He was five of eight again last night. He's doing other things to get team. He wasn't garbage by any means last night. He's in there. He's fighting. He's active. But then it's like at the key moment of the game, you just need to sort of insert yourself a little bit more aggressively and and just put a stop to things. And that's maybe the next evolution of his game. 13 for 21 on the night from uh, field goals, but I think awesome. he was 2 of 8 in the third. So yep. I, d- I do think like most of his production was, again, we're going to get into everyone here, but uh, most of his production was in the first half, and he kind of, as everyone else did on this team, got away from what was working in the second half. But, okay, so 25% culture, 25% ant. Who's next? Okay, uh, third slice out of four here. Pie chart to blame. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Told myself I wasn't going to rip this guy until like January. Carl. I'm not going to go crazy here, but, you know, he just, I just, I tell me if I'm wrong here, Kyle, but I feel like this is more of a broad perception of Carl. Two things. One, blowing big leads has been a big theme under his watch as sort of the, the head of this franchise. Now, that dynamic is changing here over the last 12 months to where Anthony Edwards is becoming more of the head of the franchise, and that's why he was in this pie chart, too, okay? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. 
but this has been a theme in Carl Anthony Towns career. And it's not like football where there's like 11 guys on the field and, you know, there's only five guys on the court and you're playing like, you know, 35, 40 minutes and you're the best player over the course of eight years. Why does this keep happening? He is a centerpiece of Wolves culture and a centerpiece of Wolves culture is blowing 20 point leads. So I have to put him on this list too. He also like, I think he only had one three point attempt until the last two or three minutes of that game. How are we going from shooting 10 three pointers? I think correctly in the first game of the year, one of the great shooters in the NBA to just not shooting a three in like 30 minutes of time on the court. He just hasn't figured out how are we this far into his career? And you don't know what his game is going to be like on a night to night game to game basis. So I'm, I'm, it's kind of like a lifetime achievement, 25% slice of pie to Carl <laughs> for just like being one of the central figures of teams that are soft and blow 20 point leads. Uh, I think before I get into that, but I have it flagged. Give me your last one. Okay. It's got to be Finchy. Yep. Friend of the show. He's our yep. guy. Okay. But dude, like at some point it keeps happening on your watch and you're not the only coach as we've laid out that this has happened to on a regular basis, but like. You can't sit there. You and I were both sitting there for three hours on media day watching player after player, Chris Finch, Tim Connolly come in and talk about, boy, one of the biggest problems last year was maturity, focus, and losing to teams we shouldn't or blowing mm -hmm. leads that were supposed to be insurmountable. How that can be a point of focus to start the season, how you can do it so many times last year. And then have it happen three games into the season like this is incredible to me. So I think there's a lot. I saw a lot of people just straight up calling for his head last night. Uh, I'm not there at, at this point. But, dude, like, this happens a lot. And you are the coach. And you've got timeouts. Like, call timeout strategically. Is there is there a message at halftime that is just not landing? I mean, at some point, it does fall back on the coach to some extent. Not 100%. That's why he's only getting 25%. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. But Finchie's my fourth slice. So let me run it back from four to one. Okay. Chris Finch. Uh, I want this on the record again. That like, And you, what did you text me last night? You, I was like, hey, man, I'm kind of under the weather right now. And you, you said. I think I said, hey, why are you going after Kevin O'Connor aggressively <laughs> on Twitter right now? You go, would you take full-blown COVID for a month if it guaranteed a Wolves trip to the Western Conference Finals? And I fired back, I would lick Ebola. Um, I don't care who's on the team. I really don't. Like, it's been cool to have Finch on that. I am a Finch guy. I understand his limitations. I, I really, again, if, if this roster was 14 Luke Rittenhours and a, a Luca Garza and they won 55 games, I would, I would get rid of everyone. I just want the team. Dude, that'd be to a be fun successful. league pass team, by the way. It would if be. If you right. had 14 Luke Ridnauers and a Luca Garza, it'd I be would a lot of things. Um, for that, yeah. But so I want everyone. To, that's why I think the pie chart of blame is like the greatest thing you can do today because I just want everyone to be blamed. So let's start with Finch because a lot of the people in my mentions last night were like, call a timeout. Call a timeout. Stop being Phil Jackson. I, would, I am down for whatever solutions we come up with that are tangible. But if you're just going to yell at me, which, by the way, is so random, like, stop, stop. Oh, people, me are up. Yelling, people are yelling at you because I like Chris Finch. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, so Chris <laughs> Finch called two timeouts in the set. This is like the biggest, my biggest pet peeve in life is like, I love complaining. Please complain. C continue to complain. But if you're complaining about things that aren't true, 
I literally have no time for you, and it's just it's probably why my block count is up to seven hundred. I'm like Rudy Gobert now on Twitter. He Finch took a timeout in the in the in the third quarter. They're up ninety six to eighty eight. He took a timeout with two minutes left. Atlanta went on a ten two run right after that timeout. Timeout did nothing. Now again, there's nuance here. What did they talk about in the timeout? Yeah, like what is going on? There is blame on the coaching staff. But if your answer to these runs was to call a timeout, he did that. So then it's 98-98 at the end of three, which at the end of a quarter is kind of like a timeout. Atlanta comes out in the fourth quarter, 9-0 run, first two minutes and 30 seconds. So if you want to blame Finch and he deserves a quarter of the blame, you got to give me something more than call timeouts because calling timeouts is literally the wrong answer. Jake Painting, who does howls and growls, did a like a five minute YouTube video of what they did in the first half, the second half. That's tangible. He showed me like basically Quinn Snyder adjusted their pick and roll defense, didn't give the Wolves. I mean, the Wolves, it's ironic, right? The Wolves were cooking in that first half. Yeah. My coach of the year bet was free money in the first half. And now I'm trying to like, I'm paying people to take that bet from me. The second half, Quinn Snyder made one or two pretty basic adjustments and the Wolves made no adjustments. Also that. worth noting, Quinn Snyder used to be Utah Jazz coach yes. during the Rudy Gobert era. If anyone knows how to adjust to a Rudy Gobert-centric defense in a, in, a, in a halftime period of 12 minutes, it would probably be Quinn Snyder. Right. Interesting. Yep. And again, I'm not. D- d- please, please, I would challenge some of you, just some of you, it's a very small portion, to like turn on the critical thinking button. So would you not put, would you not have Chris Finch in the pie chart of no, blame for blowing. No, I would. I would have. Oh no, one hundred percent. Like he is not making adjustments. I don't know if it's this Phil Jackson philosophy of just I want to let my guys figure it out. I think it's but part of that. I do think you need to just interject with. I always refer to it as like a run game. Like get something in there that draws up a play. There's got to be a play in the NBA that is so complex now, where it's like we're going to get Ant to the rim, and if he doesn't get fouled. I'll get a technical. It'll slow down the game. It'll change the momentum or whatever. But if he does get fouled, he gets two free throws. It, it stems that run. It just gives our guys a little break. Mm-hmm. Finch doesn't do that. But it's not the timeouts because he called timeouts. He yeah, had it's more breaks of a strate- in the play. It, it's a strategic it thing. Yep. So I agree. That's the Finch thing. And again, the Finch stuff is like he cooked up the best 24 minutes of basketball the NBA has seen in the first week. And then he cooked up the, the worst. So like. If you just want to fire him, again, I just want to know, like, who is going to replace him? Is it internal? Because then it's like, well, as we get to culture later, are any of the internal people going to fix that? Is Micah Nori, who is really smart, going to fix it? Are you going to bring in someone else? Are you going to go get a retread like Doc Rivers? Like, what? I need to know the answers there. But Finch deserves a quarter of the blame. Yeah, it's. I think I think you're right in terms of, like, you know, what— no, he didn't call a timeout until they were uh, from 21 to 8 with— like, I, you might be able to argue— and again, I, I, in the third quarter, to be honest with you, started watching a horror movie because I thought the game was over and I was going to watch the second half back later. Turned out that the horror movie was actually going to I watched the horror the movie in the second half, yeah. too. Yeah. So, like, there's a nitpick on, okay, could he have... Because what, what I love about Spolstra sometimes is that dude will freaking, like... And he did this brilliantly throughout the NBA Finals, too, where... Or the... Uh, when was the Eastern Conference Finals? Either way, like, no, it was the Finals. He's like, okay, we're, we're not... If, if they start to tsunami us with a run, I need to call a timeout instantly. Sometimes Finch waits a little too long on timeouts, but I agree with your general assessment of it's not like the, the basic rip is call timeout. This is a deeper problem than just like timing of timeouts. 
It's what's being retained in the huddle, what's being retained at halftime. Why aren't the leaders on the court taking more accountability in terms of following through? Also, like, you've got enough talent on this team. It shouldn't be all about the coach as a puppet master. Like, you should be able to, if you're Carl, if you're Conley, and Conley was sick last night too. Uh, if you're Rudy Gobert, Kyle Anderson, you should be able to figure out how not to allow a 40-point swing against the Atlanta Hawks, regardless yep. of who your coach is. I still stand by 25% Finch in the pie chart of and, and, As do I. Again, please, common sense button. Turn it on. I'm not defending Chris Finch. I think my biggest thing, and I would literally, as someone who has like, talked to him, we've had him on the show, maybe we'll have him on again. I would ask him this. My biggest gripe with him is like body language sometimes. You can tell that he just looks super frustrated, but not in the way that like Steve Kerr gets frustrated or like like you said, Spo. It's like he's just not overwhelmed, but I don't know, just watch it. Like watch when some of these runs are yeah. happening. He just looks really, really like, I don't know. And it's just, yeah, I would love for that. Start the game out. They give up an easy basket. They're down 2 nothing, and Finch calls a timeout. Just like that resetting of like, I mean, I hear all the time about how much he controls that locker room and the people buy in. Ant hit yeah. a three last night and, like, dapped up Chris Finch on the run back. I think that relationship is important. I don't think it's a be-all, end-all. But there are aspects of this Finch thing where it's like, calling timeouts is not the answer. If that was your solution last night, you are wrong, you lose. But there are things that Finch did wrong and lost as well. Like, you got to be able to make adjustments. If Jake Painting, who was really, really smart, can break it down in a five-minute YouTube video night of... God forbid that that's what they're looking at today as well. Like, I hope that the video they watch is just Jake's video on YouTube. It's like, hey man, <laughs> we, just, we, we did we did nothing different in the second half. Yeah. They were they were dropping their defenders back. It made it impossible for Rudy Gobert to kind of catch lobs again. Which I thought again, I know plus minus isn't going to support this, but and you're one and two. Your record is what it is. I thought it was another really good Rudy Gobert game, especially in that first half. Like it he was. is it flying was. around for lobs. He had some incredible blocks. Rebounding has been there. I think the Wolves, again, for the third straight game, out-rebounded their opponent. Uh, 38-36, so not a big deal. But the rebounding now has been solved for all of three games. But, like, they're not a team now that's getting crushed on the glass. So, Chris Finch, got to be better. Like, you got to end now. And I apologize because as we figure in the Timberwolves collapse and the Kirk Cousins Achilles... And not being able to watch the game, I also know something I didn't have to deal with. Maybe you can comment on it yourself. It also started snowing last night. So, oh, it's, it's, uh, so yeah, it's a winter wonderland here. So just I to, love it, actually. I think it's great. It's just one of, I, I know that there is a perfect storm right now going on uh, <laughs> that is making people just really upset. So number two, to run it back from four to one, Carl Anthony Towns. Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer had this tweet that was like, nice hustle, cat. It was on this play in the third quarter when Ant had a turnover. It was, it was a really bad Anthony Edwards turnover, actually, is what should if you, have been. And that. again, the, the snippet of video he watched that I quote tweeted, and I, I deleted because I don't really like me- mixing it up on Twitter because it's just, what's the point? I, I hate that app. Ant misses Nas Reed in the corner on that play. Nas is wide open. I think they're down eight. You know, just give it to Nas. He's been hitting threes. No, watch the play that he tweeted out. Nas is wide open. Then Ant gets the ball just stripped from Bogdanovich. Not the world's best defender. Then Bogdanovich goes full court, you know, down court to, for a lip. Ant does kind of sprint back, try to get a block. Carl does not. He does not really run back at a pace that you would like from a max player who is one of your cornerstones. Yeah. I totally get that. But I also just hate the lazy narrative of 
it was literally like nice hustle cat lol and it's like this is something that will tie into your 25 percent of culture blame if you are a longtime timberwolves fan you have been here this is how they used to treat carl and I, I think Carl gets maybe more than 25% of the blame last night. He has been, I will say, Carl Anthony Towns is off to his worst start of a season in, in Timberwolves history. It's close. These first three games have not been good. He had two and a half good minutes against the Heat in that third quarter. They kind of gave him a lead, and then they basically sat him the fourth quarter, which I liked from Finch. Finch went with the hot hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl deserves a ton of blame. On that play, to single out the guy that didn't have any part of the blame and just be like, oh, nice hustle, buddy. Go watch, I think it was later in the game, uh, 357 mark of the fourth, and has another turnover that's just egregious. Carl's at the top. Carl does sprint back to try to prevent a layup, and Ant walks back. My whole thing is is that for Carl's first three or four years, he was impenetrable in criticism. Think about this. Go back. It was always someone else's fault. The organization, the coaches, Wiggins, right? He was kind of the guy that would get even Jimmy Jimmy Butler when Jimmy Butler spoke up about some things that I think in retrospect he was probably right about. I and a lot of other people were like, "Why would you say that about Carl? You know, you should be wanting to play with Carl." So I I do agree with you. It's flipped in the in the eight years. The Timberwolves had ten turnovers last night. Anthony Edwards had five of them. No one else in the starting lineup had a, a turnover. So again, Carl's hustle on that play bad. But to just call that out and not be like, man, you missed a guy wide open in the corner. I mean, again, was two for eight in the third, four turnovers in the fourth quarter. He killed as much of the ball movers as anyone else. And all I'm trying to say is, as you give 25% blame to Carl, 25% blame to Ant. Like, anytime you or I defend someone, it's like, oh, you're a homer. You're not, you're not being fair. You're not being critical to everyone. We got to be critical to Ant. We have to. Because I think sometimes, as good as he is and as fun as he is, and I've think I've said on podcast I'd like to adopt him as my own son. <laughs> you did like, say that, I'm we got to sure. start to hold him to <laughs> the same creepy. level of expectation that we do with other people because he can blow up all of the good things they do just as much as anyone on this team. And I love the kid. And he yeah. at least has the age thing. But to go back and look at some of the plays last night, he had a cross-court pass to Jaden that had no chance. It was just one turnover after another. Weird. He doesn't go to the rim. He's trying these floaters. And guess what? Go watch the second half. Some of these floaters he's taking were with Rudy off the floor. So it's not like, oh, big, dumb Rudy, like, clogging up the paint. No, he wasn't even on the floor for some of that stuff. So right. you got to give <laughs> – I'm just here to say, like, every single person should have had to walk him. Like, no one should have been able to take the team playing. Everyone deserves blame except for maybe Jordan McLaughlin, who is just an innocent bystander in all this. But – I think it's right to blame them. I think it's right to blame Carl, to blame Finch, to blame Ant. And then the culture thing, um, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think I'd like to talk about Bally's now because... That's think, part of the NBA's culture right now, I feel like. I think... Everyone just... I, the new logo is everyone confused trying to like log in on their smart TVs and phones to the 14 Bally's apps that are out there. We're a week into the season, and we've already had... I mean, we, you and I didn't do a pod. You, you kind of give me the weekends off. What the Jimmy Butler thing against at Target Center the other night, I don't really get offended much. It was one of the most offensive things that I can well, remember. Him, him not playing. Him not playing. You have Jimmy Butler and Kevin, Kevin Love in the third game of the season, two of the, ten most, two of the 10 best Timberwolves players of all time, just sitting in street clothes, not playing. Second game of the year. 
Yeah. I woke up it's, yesterday. It is. It speaks volumes of what they think about Wolves fans, and right that had more to do with they could have picked and choose some games here. I'm not. I don't buy like it was a back to back. It's the second game of the year. I don't also, buy that. And I, I know Sundays are football, but you probably miss this. Like there was a real chance on Sunday that the reigning MVP of the league, Joel Embiid, was going to sit out for rest in the team's home opener. He ended up playing. He was awesome. He might have literally been bullied online into playing. But then it's like, you're less than a week into the season, and the league is resting star players at a higher clip than ever before after the league was pretty open that, like, hey, resting doesn't actually work, which is also, like, that's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I woke up yesterday morning. I'm already kind of triggered about all that stuff. And then it's like, oh, hey, Adam Silver got into bed with Kim Kardashian to, like, promote spandex for the for the league to have underwear you have an app on league pass that doesn't work you have local markets that can access their games you have refs tweeting out after big missed calls on national tv games like oh my bad we missed that shouldn't have been a technical foul on jalen brunson <laughs> i really mean this i wake up every day and i check my timberwolves temperature to be like okay do you still want to do this do you still like the team today was a little tougher uh i was like i don't know man but i'm, I'm here i love them I don't think I love the NBA. I think the NBA to me has like fallen down well wow. below Dude, football. This is, this is what Kyle, this is, this I mean, is just like, right what, what, what is the point of it? I could not believe, man. I was like five minutes late for the game yesterday. I was at the gym. I came back and there was like, I had seriously like 20 text messages. I was like, man, did they get off to a hot run? Did Ann have a dunk? It was just everyone in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Omaha. I can't watch the game. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's truly, I don't want to get like, I don't want to get bleeped off the show. It's truly embarrassing. It is so embarrassing that I understand that it's more complex than just, again, it had nothing to do with Jim Peterson, nothing to do with Michael Grady. They are just employees of the team. I blame and, Jim and Mike, quite frankly. I think those guys need <laughs> okay, to be a little more vocal. The, so don't internally. tweet at them. They can't really do anything. They're employees of the team. This is more nuanced. I understand the Wolves are different than like the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Wolves have multiple years left on this contract. Michael Rand for the Star Tribune has done a pretty good job of covering this. Um, I don't know what the answers are. But it's just so embarrassing that this team is finally good. You're in your 35th year. You're trying to promote all these things and do all this stuff and get your fans in the building, and they can't watch games. I don't know how it gets fixed, so I'm not going to get up here and call, say, hey, you know, I don't know, Mark Laurie needs to call timeouts because we just went over that. Timeouts aren't the issue, but they got to do something, man, because that is so embarrassing that the best way for people to watch this is to go on the dark web and stream it. <laughs> Dude, I uh, I had to borrow a I'm sorry, but it's direct just... TV login to to get that game last night. I think you know. Let's. This has been great, by the way. This is my favorite Kyle here. COVID Kyle is my favorite. Kyle. COVID Kyle just is just right. an absolute <laughs> loser and just mad because everyone can't watch the good <laughs> stuff and then the app works and we watch the bad stuff and then everyone's like, oh, we just shot bad. It's like, no, you didn't shoot bad. You're dumb. It's just raging. Ugh. I think so. In terms of solutions, all right. So we're looking for looking for solutions for this. Let's start with the TV thing here. Um, the MLS had a really interesting solution to for them. It was more, Hey, uh, Apple wants to give us like whatever it was. I don't know. It was, it certainly wasn't like an NBA or NFL amount of money for the rights to their games. But on one hand, it's really nice that if you are a fan of major league soccer and you want to watch soccer and you want to watch, uh, you know, the loons or you want to watch Messi, right? There's one place to watch all those games. With the exception, there might be a couple, like, they might have, like, one other national TV deal. But, like, 95% of the games are on the Apple TV app. And you pay a monthly fee, 
and then that money goes to the league and boom, it's great for it's great for simplicity. I think it's bad if they're trying to reach new fans because like I'm not a huge ML. Like I'll, I'll watch Minnesota United games from time to time and we are partners with them here at Hubbard. We carry their games and we love doing so on 1500 ESPN radio. But like I'm not going to sit down and just like stumble into, uh, you know, Kansas City versus New York or something. Right. I can do that with the NBA, at least with, you know, there's enough TNT games and, and whatever. There's more national TV games. Um, MLS is great for hardcore fans. It's bad for discovery. Is the NBA to a point? Here's my long rambling question. Is the NBA to a point where the league is popular enough? It's widely known enough. The brand is, you know, omnipresent enough where they could just say enough with these regional and local rinky dink TV deals, you know, and they're worth they're worth revenue. Don't get me wrong. But can we cobble together something for the local broadcast to all be on one platform, whether it's the NBA app or whether Apple or Amazon pays for it, right? Like, is that a solution? And it's all behind a paywall and then teams are getting kickbacks from subscriptions. Like, I don't know logistically how that would work if it's just one pool of money, like the national TV deal and it's split evenly. I think New York would say, well, wait a second, we get more on our local TV deal because there's more people in New York than say, you know, Minneapolis or some smaller markets or, you know, Memphis. But to me, that would be the best, right? Hey, I want to watch my team tonight. Here's the platform I go to watch NBA basketball. Boom. Super easy. And it's not the case right now. And you, I know you watch a lot of football, not just Vikings, but like I have Sunday ticket through YouTube TV and it is, it is almost seamless. Like it's crazy mm -hmm. how much they've invested into that product. And again, I go back to, cause you and I were at media day and we talked to about as high up of executives with the team as you can get. And it is complex. They can't just, I think they're old, man. Like I think they have three more years on this deal and it might be worth, I don't know if it's like 50 million a year. I'm just kind of spitballing numbers. I thought I heard, but that's a lot of money to just, if you just say, screw it, we're going to leave. You're not gonna be able to get that money back in litigation or whatever they decide in the court. So they're in a tough spot. But I also then just come back to, again, it's like, okay, we know that this, product has gone up in value since it was sold on a layaway program 24 months ago um, with this new ownership thing. And now we're turning the page to November. We think it could be December. I know Doogie's been on there. Maybe it'll be March 2024, whatever. Like, does Mark Laurie even know? Or like, how much does Mark Laurie know? Because I, I feel like if Mark Laurie was, and I think he knows now because everyone was tweeting at him and CCing me last night. But I wonder if he knew if he would try to jump in and get it fixed right away and just be like, screw it. I'm worth a ton of money. I'm going to get rid of $150 million left on this contract or whatever. And I'm just going to give everyone an antenna like they did down in Arizona. But I don't know the solution. And that's kind of perfect analogy for what happened last night in the second half to the Atlanta Hawks. Like, I don't know the solution and I'm open for anything. But yeah. I just want to blame. I think everyone should be blamed here. And I do think the team takes part of that thing, too, because the, the number one, I have such respect for people, season ticket holders that give up large chunks of money to not be able to have full freedom to like resell their tickets or whatever, to go to 41 games in the winter. Uh, I think it's truly like that's those fans are honorable and they get league pass is one of the perks. But if league pass is blacked out in five surrounding states, that's not a perk anymore. It, it's yep. meaningless. And, it, and it, that, that would be the solution is if league pass was just the streaming platform for all games and there were no blackouts locally. But obviously the problem there, that seems like a great solution right there, right? But then 
Bally's or Sinclair Media, which is the parent company for Bally Sports North in this case, they would say, well, wait a second. Uh, we want those viewers to be watching on platforms where we can get ratings and we can and we can show value with the money that we're paying the Timberwolves to run these games. If let's say let's say League Pass was available in the Twin Cities and, you know, I don't know what the number would be. 50,000 Wolves fans like great 100,000 Wolves fans. That's 50 or 100,000 Wolves fans that aren't watching through, you know, the YouTube TV deal that, you know, or the or or a cable, a cable deal. Right. So I see why the rights holder wants to prevent other platforms from gaining viewers. But that's why this is all like this. This impacts baseball more than anyone. And ba like because baseball's revenue structure. Now we're getting like way in the weeds. Baseball's revenue structure is largely tied to local revenue, mm -hmm. local mm -hmm. TVs, like because the, they don't have the national TV exposure that the NBA and the NFL. And, like the saving grace is if if the local TV deals did blow up at some point here in the next couple of years, and I hope that they do, quite frankly, in the NBA, at least the NBA is driven largely by national revenue. So and there's salary cap structures in place so that like you know, unlike baseball where there is no salary cap and the top earning teams locally can just spend 150 more million dollars on their payroll and create a disadvantage. The NBA is not like that. So I think the answer is a centralized location for locally telecast games where you're not being told you have to have this one provider, you know, through Xfinity or direct TV. It's like, I have YouTube TV. You have YouTube TV. I don't get Bally sports North or YouTube TV anymore because two or three years ago they failed to strike a deal. So now I need mm -hmm. to uproot my entire like entertainment ecosystem to go find. No, so I pay 20 bucks a month for Bally Sports North streaming. It doesn't work last night. Like fix your tech or fix your structure so people can watch your product. That's and on top of all of that, do you, we're, again, Monday was a really weird day for the NBA because I literally woke up to pictures of various players in underwear and Adam Silver and Kim Kardashian hugging each other. And then two hours later, it was announced that all 30 NBA teams would have an in-season tournament court yeah. that, by the way, like alternative courts – are very expensive. It's like a completely different court that they like build like Legos in yeah, the arena. Yeah, so all 30 teams get new courts. That's got to be 15, 20 million dollars. And we're sending some teams over to Abu Dhabi. And we're doing it's like, why don't we focus on making the game accessible for fans and like prioritize fans instead of making money? And that's why I'll just continue to rant against Adam Silver. I really think if you could go back in a time machine to like 2017, the NBA is just in a worse spot right now. And they're on the heels of trying to negotiate this big TV deal, which isn't going well, basically on anything you read. That's why they're trying to make, actually, we're not resting our players. Bradley Beal hasn't played yet, right? Like Devin Booker's missed two games. Jimmy Butler's skipping a game in Minnesota. I don't know. It's just, it's a really, really, really dark time for the league. And I just, I empathize, empathize because I get to see all the games. Yeah. And I come back to, it is, if Kyle Tyke can watch the Timberwolves, easier in portland oregon than phil Mackey can watch it in minneapolis it's amazing that would yep. seem like something that i would prioritize over like leopard printed underwear for yeah. Shea gilders alexander <laughs> I, love it. I think you're 100 right hey you know what we could all use right now a we cigarette? could use <laughs> of a cigarette and a pint of modest modest brewing a tap room just steps away from target center in the north loop in minneapolis kyle and a great spot to grab a beer before or after a Wolves game. After last, night, uh, last night's road game, you probably needed a, a beer or five, preferably a higher uh, alcohol volume. 
So uh, upcoming Wolves games that you could pregame or postgame for. Let's see here. We got when I'll be there tomorrow night. Nice. Um, Big game. At Target Center against the Denver Nuggets. Looking forward to that one. And then you got another one coming up on Saturday against the Utah Jazz. So Wednesday or Saturday, get your butt down to Modest. Uh, when we get you back in town here, I know you and I and Dane and some others can go down and um, grab a couple adult beverages at Modest. I can't wait. And I've uh, ever since we announced kind of a Modest partnership the other day, a lot of my friends have already gone and checked it out. So continue to go do that. I always say continue to support the people that support us. Um, can we wrap this up with like, like a lozenge, like 30 seconds of optimism or positivity? Because I Please, do think... Yeah. I, I do, they're fine, dude. They're going to make the playoffs. They're still going to be a six seed. They're fine. They highlighted their worst attributes of a team going back to since Finch started. Again, it's kind of chicken and egg for me. It's like, you know, this team has blown a lot of double-digit leads with Finch on the team. It's like, well, they've blown a lot of double-digit leads with Ant and Jaden on the team, too. Like, to going back to your number one 25% of pie, the culture thing, I, I just want... I think in Heat culture, Heat fans don't blame one specific person or have biases. Or they're just like, hey, man, as an organization, we failed again. We blew a 20-point lead. That's kind of where I'm coming at on Tuesday morning. Is like the organization as a whole yesterday blew everything. They blew the ability to show games to the diehard fans who have received zero or negative return on their investment for 35 years. And the team as a whole, up and down, didn't get to the free throw line, didn't make shots, didn't trust each other, didn't pass the ball. So tough flight home. I know I saw, I saw Michael Grady when they got to the airport last night at probably like late. He was like dusting snow off his car. So there's probably nothing worse than coming back from a historically bad loss, bad plane flight. To like, oh, now I got to clean off my car. But uh, oh. I hope they had, you know, some good tea this morning, maybe a modest beer, a good practice. And we'll see. It's a... Uh, it's hilarious to be one and two right now. Two games you shouldn't have dropped. They looked pretty good against Miami, I thought. And now you welcome the defending champions to, yeah. to town who, by all accounts, they said you were the toughest opponent for them. So go beat the Nuggets on on Wednesday, and I'm sure Thursday will be a much different vibe. But um, just be more mature. Just be be yeah, smarter. Dude. Be more accessible. Be more honest. You know, don't don't sugarcoat things. Um that's all I got. I'm, I need, I I think, need cough medicine. You know, we'll, get, we'll get you out of here. We'll get you out of here. I think my final thought is, yeah, I, I need to see two months of basketball before I really start to hit the panic button, but that was one of the worst losses. That was probably the one of the three worst losses of the last two seasons. Oh, Memphis, Memphis game three. Yep. Memphis game three in the playoffs like was way worse. The George Washington on the Mount Rushmore, but this is like in the conversation for worst losses in maybe 10 years in Wolves basketball. So there's there's definitely some similar red flags from last year, one of them being we have yet to see evidence over a lengthy stretch that Gobert and Cat on the floor together can produce quality winning minutes. I mean, the mm-hmm. statistics mm-hmm. have not lied to this point. So that is the biggest thing I'm keeping an eye on here. And it's not that, like, in individual games they can't. I mean, the first quarter, clearly, they, it was a positive pairing. But I need to see some sample size because right now, if you had asked me right now, does this partnership work? The answer is no. And then the next question being, okay, would you look to trade one of them either before the deadline or immediately next summer? I would say yes. And there's other reasons that go into that too, luxury tax, et cetera. But like, that's what I'm looking for here. Those two guys have to play together Mm -hmm. because you're not bringing one off the bench 
and you're not reducing one of their minutes to 20. Like they both have to play 30 to 40 minutes. There's only 48 minutes in an NBA basketball game. Those guys have to play together and it's not enough for them to break even. That has to be a really positive EV partnership. And to this point, it has not been so. And and everyone should be, again, embarrassed or frustrated because no one is ever going to talk about maybe ever for the rest of our lives how good that first 24 minutes was. Because there was a play where Rudy got the ball on the block and Carl cut from the top and Rudy gave him a really nice pass that Carl finished for a dunk. Um, There was also like a Conley Towns lob to Nas Reed in the first half. Like it was the, they came into that Atlanta game, second best defense in the league, albeit two games. I think dead last in offense. They showed you that like, we didn't even really get into this. They brought back Jane McDaniels and he might've just fixed a lot offensively for them. Spreading the floor, I think he was came out firing in those first couple minutes. So you saw what the best of this team could look like, and that's, I guess, your glass half full. But the glass half empty is resorting back to when things get tough for this organization and its players and its coaches, they just resort to what is best for me or how can I figure this out? And that is no longer going to work on the court, in the boardroom, on the bus, whatever, like they need to come together and find ways that Dane can watch the game and people can access the game and get 50% <laughs> off concessions and that their team carrying a lead into the fourth quarter isn't going to piss it down their leg. Yes. Uh, the, the Vikings just traded Ezra Cleveland to the Jaguars for a sixth round pick, according to Kevin Seifert. So. If, if you took nothing else from this, we were the first people to comment <laughs> on the Josh Dobbs trade. So Timberwolves Lifestyle Podcast, where you get breaking football news. Yeah, this is uh, hopefully your favorite Timberwolves Lifestyle Podcast. If you could click the like button and the subscribe button on the Score North YouTube channel, we would be grateful. And a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts would also make us grateful as we look to build this awesome community of suffering, anguished Wolves fans. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll try again against the Nuggets on Wednesday night. Kyle, you're going to be out until Tuesday next week. So uh, hopefully you get healthy, rest up, and hopefully people can start finding Wolves games on their TV in the next couple days too. See you guys.